It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle sometime every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. It's so great to have you along, and this is a gray day in New York City. hope it's a little sunnier where you're listening from. Here on 77 WABC Radio, we have the most powerful radio signal in the nation, We'll be here till 4 o'clock, and then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. If you can't hear us on Terrestrial Radio, wabcradio.com. We're heard in 670 countries, seven planets. <laughs> We're heard far and wide. We hope uh, you have a chance to spend some time with us today. So it has been a very, very rough week. If you are someone like me who is um, is Jewish, was in public life dealing with these issues a lot has a lot of friends and neighbors who kind of are active in these issues that's just the phones have been burning up and people have been praying with one another and watching intently but for me it has gotten frankly a little bit overwhelming you know i social media is a complete cesspool right now watching some of the images on tv you're trying to walk this line of staying connected with it but not being too not getting you know it's not letting it make you crazy and it has been tough but for someone who has a show called the middle there's also been a great deal this week to really hearten me to make me feel a lot better about things you know last week as this terrorism was underway the rockets were falling when we were on the air last week i try to explain the history a little bit um and i talked a little bit in that history and i got a couple of things wrong i got one thing in pretty important wrong i when I was talking about this whole idea that Gaza, when they talk about Gaza and the refugees, I confla- confused. I said that Gaza was part, formerly part of Jordan. I meant to say Gaza was formerly part of Egypt and the West Bank was formerly part of Jordan. But putting that aside, um, I really do believe that this week the people that matter the most rose to the occasion. President Biden spoke for our nation and he organized a lot of the other Western countries who spoke clearly, our Secretary of State, 
was not only crystal clear in the things that he said on the world stage, but spoke not only as an American, but as a Jew in a way that I think, you know, made me very proud. In Congress, you know, which has been, you know, having a lot of crap going on down there and they're at each other's throat, over 400 of the 435 members of the House of Representatives signed on to a resolution, the McCall Meeks resolution in support of, of Israel and the unconditional condemnation of Hamas. And a lot of Republicans took a break from criticizing everything Joe Biden does to acknowledge what the world saw, that after he had spent like decades in Congress being one of the foremost supporters of Israel, that Joe Biden understood this was a moment for unflinching support of Israel. And the poll showed that enormous, you know, 80% in one poll, uh, had you know pulled together essentially defending Israel, defending her rights, solidarity with her. You know, while the I'm proud of our country, I'm proud of our leaders, I'm proud of so many of my Jewish brothers and sisters in Eretz Israel. You know, this is what Joe Biden said. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories of the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to the attack. There is no justification for terrorism. There is no excuse. He went on to say Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's rights to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. And that's exactly right. You know, I'm proud of our, the way our two countries responded. One, the, you know, we're the oldest democracy and they're the only democracy in that part of the world. And people stood up. I mean, it really was a moment where you could turn on the TV and make yourself kind of nuts. But when the people that mattered, the important people, the people that make decisions, the people that represent us in the broadest sense of the word, when they had a chance to speak on the world stage for the whole world to hear, they were saying the right things. Tony Blinken, two days, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, two days after the rockets had done falling and the efforts by the Israelis to retake the country were now basically complete and they were beginning their counteroffensive. He went and visited and represented our country. This is a little bit of what he had to say. The people of Israel have long and rightly prided themselves on their self-reliance. Thank you. Israel have long and rightly prided themselves on their self-reliance, on their ability to defend themselves, even when the odds are stacked against them. The message that I bring to Israel is this. You may be strong enough on your own to defend yourself, but as long as America exists, you will never, ever have to. We will always be there by your side. Here in Israel and everywhere, we will reaffirm the crystal clear warning that President Biden issued yesterday to any adversary, state or non-state, thinking of taking advantage of the current crisis to attack Israel. Don't. The United States has Israel's back. Amen. It's about as clear as you can get. And Bibi Netanyahu, who, for those of you who haven't been following what goes on in Israel as closely as perhaps things that go on here or other places. 
know, Bibi Netanyahu is, I think they had five elections in six years because it was very difficult to put a coalition together. And when he finally did, took up some very controversial measures to reorganize the judiciary, essentially end judicial review of some things. He is himself under indictment. He had put together a coalition government that was barely hanging on. And he is going to face some recriminations down the road. But in a way that we did in September after September 11th rallied around George W. Bush, Israel has now put together a coalition emergency government. And he is speaking for Israel and saying thanks to us. Tony, my friend, I say to you, I say to all of us, there will be many difficult days ahead. But I have no doubt that the forces of civilization will win. And the reason that's true is because we understand what is the first prerequisite of victory. It's what you just said in our meeting. Moral clarity. This is a time, a particular time, a special time, that we must stand tall, proud, and united against evil. Tony, you are taking that stand. America is taking that stand. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, America, for standing with Israel today, tomorrow, and always. So that's uh, Bibi Netanyahu um, speaking, I think it was on Wednesday. And it is it is true. And that's also been true to the eternal credit of our country. That overwhelmingly people left and right have said, listen, we disagree on a lot of things. And we look for ways to get political hay out of just about anything. But there are moments like this that we rally around our common thing. I mean, listen, I, I told you last week when we would get together as supporters of Israel and try to think about the ways to win back those 10 or 15 or 20 votes that we didn't get, or we would talk about ways to introduce these subjects to newer members of Congress when they got to Washington. By the way, if you want to get onto the, the call, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We'll be getting to plenty of calls today. Whenever we did those efforts on behalf of Israel, whenever we took trips to Israel, always bipartisan. Those meetings were always bipartisan. Now, there was a while that there were no Jewish Republicans, um, but there were always Democrat and, and Republican members of Congress that supported Israel. And just like when we were attacked ourselves, when Israel comes under attack, we pull together. And to their, and to the credit, a lot of people who would be very, very critical of Joe Biden and very critical, just look for every, every opportunities. Um, even folks on Fox News who are unaccustomed to saying things, even candidates for, who want to run against them were saying things that I think reflected the idea that we were coming together. So that's you have the ambassador job. You have the governor's job. But you're the president right now. And what changes tomorrow? And what would have you have included in that speech yesterday uh, that President Biden delivered? You know, give credit where credit's due. Biden, the words that Biden used were important. He needed to say. I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. Uh, I will say that I I thought it was a strong a strong speech. 
competitive time right now. All Israelis were very moved by the president's speech because even if we have some fundamental disagreements with the Democratic Party and some of their policies when it comes to Iran, maybe the Palestinian Authority, but for sure no right. one can question the love of President Biden towards Israel. I personally met yeah. him several times. He loves Israel. He wants to defend Israel, and we are grateful. And those were the first was Nikki Haley and Brian Kilmeade. The second cut was this guy Greg Gutfeld, I think his name is. And the third cut was a fairly uh, was a, a, a I think a Likud member of the Knesset. And there have been like member and members of the like I, I you know I just look through you know like statements of support. And Democrat and Republican, everyone, it was, you know, Congress was, there was a guy, I've never seen him before. Um, and I don't know exactly who he was, but I was just watching TV and this guy named Representative Van Orden was on and this is what he had to say. I want to speak to my Republican and Democrat colleagues here in Washington, D.C. Um, this is not a time to attack the Biden administration. You know how adamantly I, I disagree with what they're doing, but as Republicans and Democrats, as legislators here in the United States of America, now is not the time to attack the Biden administration. Now is the time to stand with the United States of America. That means the executive branch and the military to make sure that uh, Israel understands that they have our unwavering support. Yeah, I think he's exactly right on who that guy is. I mean, he's He's a Republican from somewhere. I don't know. But the point that I'm making is that this reminds me of the very best. You know, we have a show here called The Middle. And I constantly try to stress that, yeah, we're good. We go to our corners, and the closer it gets to election time, the more that we're in those corners. But by and large, people understand that, you know, there are some things that transcend politics. And we should, it is totally fine to be doing a, a, uh, who did what when analysis of anything. And that's totally fine to do that. But at the moment that we're in now, when the entire world is listening, this is a time for us to pull together. And I really think that that happened a great deal this week. Now, it wasn't without some exceptions on the left and on the right. And I can just say to my friends on the left that if you're a kid at Harvard, who get your news from TikTok and you're signing on to letters blaming Israel for this terrorist attack, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong, kid. And if you're someone like BLM, the Black Lives Matter organization in Chicago that put out a tweet with a picture of a hang glider and saying we stand with Palestine or whatever that, you know, you're burning whatever goodwill that you had. And when the Democratic Socialists of America, when they hold a rally hours after the rockets stop falling, blaming Israel and holding up swastikas and whatever else, I can just say that's not the way to do it. If you care about the plight of the Palestinians and you're cheering for Hamas, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that's not the way to do it. Just the same way when people were on the pile at September 11th, Someone preaching about, oh, this is what happens, American imperialism or whatever. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to persuade people to your side or to your cause. And it is absolutely okay to be concerned about the plight of the Palestinians. That's fine. There are really, there's not two sides in this. There's really three. There's the Israelis. There's the Palestinians and there's Hamas. 
And both sides are victimized by Hamas, both the Palestinians and the Israelis. And I explained a little bit about that last week. And the right is not that much better. I mean, no, I shouldn't say that. The right has their own things. If you want to, if you want to go and say things like, you know, sometimes get said on these airwaves that Joe Biden did this or Joe Biden funded this. You want to have a conversation about policy with Iran. I'm more power to you. I'm there for you. I'll do a little bit of it today, as a matter of fact, since there's a lot of people who misunderstand the dynamics here. If you're a former president of the United States complimenting Hezbollah, which has now been taken and turned into propaganda over and over and over again around the world, it's spread around the world like wildfire. I spoke to a friend of mine in Israel who was telling me that it, that people were persuaded that it was AI that took that quote from a former president and there's no way that he said it and I explained that he had, but and if you're someone like Al D'Amato coming on the airwaves here, who's known Joe Biden for decades, and over and over again, Democratic Jews voted for Al D'Amato because of his support for Israel. He knows the kind of support and love that Joe Biden has for Israel. For him to come on and say Joe Biden is appeasing, that's shameful. It's just you're not doing it right. You're not doing, you want to take runs at Joe Biden, knock yourself out. I'm just saying there's a time and a place. And if you are running a social media platform and your idea of free speech is letting Hamas and Hezbollah post videos of, you know, parading around victims and, and, and propagandizing, you're doing it wrong. Free speech is fine, but not, not for terrorists, not for literal terrorists. But I don't want to bury the lead. All those people I talked about on the left and on the right, those people are meaningless. Who cares? Who cares? You're some 20-year-old Harvard kid who's now not going to get a job because of it. I don't care. You're some some radio host on the radio station here saying saying idiotic things. It doesn't matter. The people in charge of overwhelming bipartisan coalition in Congress – the president, the secretary of state, the leaders of foreign countries, everyone knows, everyone that's important, 80% of the American people pulling together in support of our brothers and sisters there. And we'll have plenty more about this today, plenty of time to take your calls. I'm going to go a little bit more into the history and the geography, some mistakes that are being made on the kind of the substantive front, but it's great to have you along. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. Farewell to the city and the love of my life as we live before we had to go. Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Yahoo bringing us back in. He'll be doing the music during our breaks. Ava on the board, Kristen taking your calls, Kevin supervising. So I just want to make it make it clear because there are a couple of calls already on the board about this. That you know, it is it is totally fine to be having a conversation about our policy towards Iran and everything else. I, I mean I think that that's fine. And Iran is a bad player in the world. I explained last week when I was doing the history of the region that they're a Shia country. They're not Sunni. They they provide some funding for terrorism irrespective of the religious sect that they that is involved. They support Hamas. Hezbollah is much more of their client, their client state. But you know who else provides aid to Hamas and who else provides aid to Iran? And that's Russia. And, you know, to point to Iran and then to exclude the idea that, that Russia, I mean, now they're seeing there's a lot of intelligence that they have actual, they had actual maps of the, of the intelligence offices that were invaded in the South that made it possible for the incursion to happen. I mean, you can, you can, you might be able to see Russia's handiwork in this. You can point to the entire Arab League that has supported terrorism at some point or another. And last week I went in depth about the role that Saudis have. A little bit about this idea, though, that the – and I heard Steve Forbes on with with Steve Moore in the last in the last show. And I encourage you to listen to it. If you just tune in for me, the hour before Steve Moore, more money, does an excellent job. And they were talking about the idea that Iran has been exporting more oil recently. Well – you know, you might be saying, well, how is that, 
possible. And why are we letting that happen? Well, what's happened is when we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, which just to remind everyone, the purpose of the Iran nuclear deal was not to change regimes in Iran and not to make them somehow choir boys, but to make sure that they opened up to inspections and were in compliance with not developing nuclear weapons. That was what the Iran nuclear deal was about. Not making them good people, not even making them stop exporting terrorism. Now, you can argue maybe it should have been. It was about making them not develop nuclear weapons anymore. Because imagine today if nuclear weapons were on the scene. Well, anyway. So Donald Trump, and I have some real problems with the Iran nuclear deal, but Donald Trump pulls out of it. The sanctions that were put together by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama for the first time had the support of Russia and China. That was the only reason why Iran even came to the table. Well, once we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, now China is consuming a lot of um, Iranian oil. Now, it's not going directly to China. Frequently, it's going to Malaysia. And that is, a you know, it's complicated. It is not an easy problem to solve. But having the Chinese in it with us in the Iran nuclear deal as a signatory of the JCOP, the joint, I can't remember what it stands for. I've been a while since I've been to DC. So the oil, the, the money that was released was from an oil deal from 2017. The South Koreans bought oil from Iran. They transferred money. They were trying to transfer money to pay for it. And as part of the deal to get hostages out, we permitted the banking system to basically transfer the money to Qatar to be transferred into euros. It hasn't happened. None of that money has been released, and now that whole thing has been stopped. But to kind of like, you know, make a big deal about that, yeah, I mean, by cracking down on Iran is, a, is an important thing. Anyone who funds terrorism, it's important. But um, I think you can make too much and too little. Now, one thing I want to do is I don't want to make the same mistakes we made after September 11th. Where everyone suddenly thinks they're an expert. And okay, and I made the mistake too. I made the mistake of listening to George W. Bush when he when in the map room of the White House, the head of the CIA, the Defense Department, are there showing me tubes and saying this is, you know, it's Iraq, it's Iraq, it's Iraq. But it's totally fine to have these conversations. But, you know, maybe we wait until we're in, until we're we're done being supportive of Israel cracking down and wiping out Hamas. Let's go to some calls. Let's go to John in Long Island. Hey, John, welcome aboard. Hi, how are you, Anthony? I'm well, John. Thank you. you. You're welcome. So I don't think anyone is in favor of Hamas. But to say that you unequivocally think that Israel uh, has treated the Palestinian people in a fair and just way over the last 50 years, I think that's a little absurd, to be honest with you. And especially, you know, you don't have consent of the government uh, in the West Bank. Let's let's leave Gaza for a second. People in Gaza are not going to negotiate with Israel if they look at how Israel treated people in the West Bank. And the people in the West Bank... The, the PLO, and the, the, uh, they, they recognize Israel's right to, to uh, survive, and they rec- recognize Israel. The, Hamas is not. And I, I can't 
nobody can stand Hamas. We, we get that. But the history of the Israelis, how they treat the, the Palestinians, you can't say that unequivocally they, they bear no responsibility. I what mean, do, but, no, I, I, first of all, I don't think I said he, they bear no responsibility for the treatment of the Palestinians. I think what I said last week was that the plight of the Palestinians, thank you, John, that was a very thoughtful call, and I'm going to respond to it. I, what I said last week was, that the Israelis are under the, the, these Palestinians are under control of the Israelis by no choice of the Israelis. The West Bank, which it's true, probably Fatah, the Palestinian Authority has more sway there than they do in Gaza. But what is it that the people of the West Bank want? What is it that the people of Gaza want? And unfortunately, the answer to that question has been, they want their own country. Yes, they want to live in safety and security and govern themselves. Yes. But when asked what that country is, they say, from the river to the sea. <laughs> they want a one-state solution. And that's the problem. That, you know, as I would say to my friends who protest out outside of Chuck Schumer's house, who say respect the Palestinians. Well, the Palestinians have some obligation on their own to negotiate for what they want. The Israelis have said at Oslo, at Y River, they have said basically draw the lines you want and we'll figure it out. And in Oslo, they walked away and began the second intifada when they were offered a half of Jerusalem, the entire West Bank, and Gaza. And, and, and when asked why they walked away, they said, well, we want a right of return. What does that mean? That means they want greater Israel for them. So there's no doubt about it. Israel has been put into the circumstance of being caretakers for this population, and it serves nobody. Israel doesn't want it. And there are many historians and many Israelis who would say to you, if they can go back and after the 1967 war, when Israel was attacked from its center to try to chop it in half, because it had a very narrow before they had the West Bank, that was um, that was Jordan. A lot of Israelis today, and I might, in my, if I had to think about it, maybe I would come to this conclusion too. That said, even though that was seen as necessary for the safety and security of Israel, they should have given it back to, 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 to Jordan. Just give it back. Today, does Jordan want to take the residents of the West Bank and make them Jordanians? No. Does Egypt want to take the residents of Gaza that used to be theirs and make them residents of Egypt? No. Does the Arab League want either of those things? No, because they all state the idea that all the people in those two places have a right to go to, into Israel and take Israel back, and Israel is occupied by Israelis. And that's the position that I, I, I hold. If this was a matter of a two-state solution, it is not the Israelis that have stopped that from happening. And Hamas does not want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution with Israel not on the map. And John is not wrong. 
that the people in the West Bank and the people of Gaza don't have the same interests. And I said something else last week that I think was probably not entirely correct. When I was talking about the idea that 17 years ago, the Israel, the, the residents of, of Gaza chose Hamas, I don't know if they would today. Polls have shown that Hamas is not very popular. But that doesn't matter. Israel needs someone to negotiate with. Let's go to Matt in Connecticut. Hey, Matt, thank you for calling. Anthony, uh, nice to talk to you. Uh, quick question, Anthony. And, uh, you know, even though you're a liberal, I'm, I'm very happy that you're working for WBC. And I, uh, the criminal defense lawyer, I feel like you were completely taken advantage of with your prior case. But that here, not there. You got to vote tomorrow. Are you going to vote in Israel's interest for Donald J. Trump? Or are you going to vote for Joe Biden? Just a question. Well, I, for me, it's an easy one, and I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I have watched Joe Biden, and I don't get along with Joe Biden. That that cut we use in my program about how he said he's not a fan of mine. I'm not a fan of his. But I've watched him for forty some odd years in the House of Representatives. When I was in the House of Representatives, and he was in the Senate, there's no stronger fighter for. He was the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee. Every single fight. He was on the right side. He's on the right side today. And Donald Trump's record, beyond moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which is something I cheered and I said on this, these airways a dozen times, a great thing to do, um, is not even close. I mean, Donald Trump literally shared into Israeli intelligence with Lavrov in the, in the Oval Office. Trump is, you know, taking blood money from the Saudis on a daily basis. It's not even close. But that's the partisan stuff. And and I'm, that's why I didn't even say his name at the beginning of the program, talking about the crazy. He made comments this week about how smart Hezbollah is. Stop it. Not necessary right now. We don't need you making advertisements for terrorist organizations. It's Anthony Weiner. It's The Middle. We'll see you on the other side. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um... I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Jerusalem, if I forget you, in my right hand, forget what it's supposed to do. We're talking a little bit about the reaction here in the United States and around the world to the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. Her response, which is ongoing as we speak. I mean, just to make, you know, you've all been watching it and listening to it. We've done a great job here covering it on the radio, on the news side. All week, you've heard the reports. It's just... You know, I, I saw uh, Lindsey Graham say, just level the place. See, the problem is that the the hostages, the terrorists, the civilians, they're all in a small spit of land in one of the most densely populated places on earth. 
And when people talk about it's kind of an open-air prison, it's because there is an embargo, things getting in and out, because ostensibly to make sure the weapons aren't coming in. The border with Israel is obviously closed. It was That was where the incursion was for the terrorist attack. And the border to Egypt is closed. So Israel has said, we're going into northern Gaza, get out of there. Unfortunately, northern Gaza is where the, the largest hospital in Gaza is. It's not easy to do. And so this is an easy, this is a difficult problem. But the first imperative of the Israelis is to stamp out their, the terrorist foe that they have. And I don't know how that's, how that's going to work out. And, um, so we're taking some calls. Uh, let's go to Chris in North Jersey. Hey, Chris, welcome back. Hey, Anthony, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. You know, as you talk, I get different comments every every time you speak. But, so you know, I changed my whole thought. You know, you have open borders, right? We don't really know who's coming in. We have the sexualization of our kids. And I don't know how you support a Democrat today with those agendas. There's more that they're doing, but those two are the worst for me. The wokeness in our military, you know, I can go on and on. I appreciate it, Chris. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you for calling. Ed in New York. Ed, go ahead, pal. Hey, Anthony. I'm enjoying your show. Thank Um, you. Just wanted to make a few points. Uh, I believe if you support Hamas, then uh, you're morally bankrupt. You're, you support ISIS, and you, you're, you're no better than a Nazi to me. And so the people who are protesting so soon after the rape and murder of innocent people, I believe many of them, or most of them, support Hamas. Um, the other point uh, is about the uh, students at Harvard who, wait a minute, they're going to Harvard which is one of the top institutions in the country, and you don't read something that you sign, and now you're you're backtracking and say, oh, I made a mistake. It, it's just ridiculous. It's asinine, and they should release the name of those students who signed that uh, petition. Yeah, you know, Ed, I, I, I can't think of much in there that you said that I disagree with. I think that people who are standing up and... Whether they, you know, they sometimes parse it. They say, well, we're not supporting Hamas. We're just supporting what they did. I don't get, that's not a, no, that's not an answer. All right. They are essentially supporting terrorists and they're essentially supporting people that want to wipe out Jews. They are, you're right. I agree with that. I've been wrestling a little bit with the second part. You know, you're a 19 year old kid. You're at Harvard. You sign on to a letter that says something stupid. I guess what I would say and is who do I don't care. I mean, there's, there's idiots in the world. There are people who are dumb in the world. And just because you're at Harvard doesn't mean you're smart. And none of those people are running anything. None of those people are making decisions on how we're going to respond as a country. These people are making these protests thousands of miles away from the, from the safety of Madison Square Park with a lot of TV cameras around. But I will say this, though, and I think it's important to say. We, Democrats and Americans, have a problem on our left 
as it relates to Israel. And I talked a little bit about this last week, that there are a lot of young people who get their news from TikTok and who think that the world started yesterday, who have perverted the story of David and Goliath to believe that it is Israel who's the Goliath here and the Arab world that surrounds her and the terrorists that surround her, they're the David. And why do they make that calculation? Listen, there is there is a reason why on the Arab street or, you know, they wear a bandana around their face and throw stones at Israeli soldiers. It's not because they can't get guns. We know that. It's not because they can't get missiles and knives. They do it because they know it appeals to this generation of people who look at 15 seconds of a video and, okay, God, now I know which side I'm on. But that doesn't change the fact that this generation is going to be making decisions soon, and that's a real problem on our left. And then we have a problem on the right. And the problem on the right is now that maybe it's because social media, maybe it's because Musk, you know, likes anti-Semites, and maybe he is one himself, you can now see on social media every single day an explosion of anti-Semitism from the right. Some of the biggest figures, some of the most downloaded podcasters are these hard-right, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic players. And until both, we as mainstream Democrats and Ed as a man, I'm taking liberties here, Ed as a mainstream Republican and everyone pushes their own side and works to solve these problems, I think it could be a long-term problem. But today, I could care less what a jackass in Harvard thinks. I could care less what the Democratic Socialists of America think. If I'm ever in a campaign running against one of them or I ever get a chance to vote against one of them, I certainly would. They have zero influence in Washington. Zero For a reason, they're not serious people. But sometimes we get like, we just love, I mean, these people are made for talk radio because we love ripping somebody, you know, who, whatever it is, some stupid thing that some kid says. I mean, do I think that a 19-year-old kid should have his life ruined because he signed a stupid letter? No, but he should certainly have to explain it. (laughs) Hey, what did you learn from being a jackass when you were 19? And once again, it lays bare the mythology that people at Harvard are so smart. It's because they didn't let me in. I went to the Harvard of Clinton County, New York, State University of Plattsburgh. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be back with some more calls. We're talking about some serious issues, but we're also trying to figure out ways to get to the other side of some of these conversations. And I really appreciate you being along with us. This is the middle 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. God bless America. I'm Yisrael Chai, and we'll see you on the other side of the break.
finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. We'll be here till 4 o'clock, and Curtis Lee, what comes in for left versus right, he's been also active on this subject. We're going to talk a little bit about this and also how it's impacted New York City. This whole idea, the Democratic Socialists of America, they have a rally, they disown the rally. I don't know. I think we spent too much time paying attention to them. If there are people in, their, in, the, in those neighborhoods who want to vote for these people after this, then they that's their choice. They get what they deserve. By the way, we also have a podcast every Wednesday that falls um, called The Middle Unplugged. It's a little bit like this. Now, obviously, it's not the calls, but we um, we try to catch up on things between episodes. Encourage you to download that on the Red Apple Podcast Network or anywhere you get podcasts. If you want to reach me at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, even though X, Twitter, whatever it is, is such a cesspool right now, I really have to come up with a better way to gather information. It used to be a place to really find out what was going on on the ground. There's so much fake stuff now. There's so much... So there's so much. It's just fake. Anthony D. Weiner is Twitter is um threads and Weiner W.A.B.C. at Gmail dot com. If you'd like to drop me an email. Uh, OK, let's go back to the phones. People are obviously eager to talk about this. And let's go to Rick in Elmwood Park. Hey, Rick, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks, Anthony. Um, now that we know the Democrat climate policies funded two wars, are they going to reverse the policies and open up our oil? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I, well, why don't you expound on that a little bit? I don't know what you mean. Well, see, you make Russia and Iran and the Saudis rich by cutting off our oil production and allowing them as much as they want. Well, wait a minute. Our, 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 our domestic oil exports just broke a record, 4 million barrels. Um, so we're, we're exporting a ton of oil. That's not the problem. The problem is there is a war there, but the problem is we're consumed. Don't, don't you agree that we, why are we, why, why do you want to buy their products? Why do you want to buy the terrorist products? I don't want to buy them. I, want I don't to buy either. American oil. No, why do you want it? But the product, it's fungible. If you're consuming a bunch of oil, you don't have to be consuming a particular person's oil. If you consume a lot of a product, if you are, if you have a hundred people who are buying shoes, the price of shoes is going to be higher than if you only have 50 people buying shoes. So if you have a more people that are buying more and more oil, it drives up the price. 
So I say, I don't know about you, Rick, I don't want to give any more money to the Saudis or to the Iranians or to the Venezuelans. And and if you're wondering, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you're, you're a smart guy, Rick, you know this, Israel doesn't have any oil. <laughs> They're doing fine without it. They're figuring out ways to, to, to be their, their leaders of technology to get out from under because they have to. Their existence depends upon us. We are smart, innovative people. We can come up with solutions to our problems that don't require us supporting our enemies anymore. And when are we going to learn the lesson? If Rick's making the point, and, and he's a smart guy, he's making the point that, yes, oil puts money in bad people's pockets. Just saying, okay, well, let's put it in good people's pockets too. It, it, it doesn't work. Oil is a fungible thing. It's a quantity. And I said it. Our oil exports broke 4 million barrels a day. I mean, you know, why are exports up and prices up or whatever? Look, Exxon wants there to be higher gas prices, higher oil prices. Saudis want higher oil prices. Our, our imperative should be to say, raise the price all you want. We're not paying it. We're not giving you any of our money. We've been saying it since the 70s. I mean, enough already. And then people say, well, we don't have, we can't do it. Oh my God. We can't come up with technologies to replace fossil fuels. We can't do it. I don't know about you. I believe we can do it. I believe we, and, and, and by the way, the marketplace believes it too. All the big oil, all the big, the, the, the big car companies that specialize in coming up with products that people want to buy using a capitalist system, they believe it. I mean, look, there's, you know, you can have policies that encourage more consumption or policies that encourage less consumption. I think the conservative thing to do is to encourage less consumption and work, you know, more more consumption of things that help us. We'll be back at the other side for hour number two. We'll talk a little bit more about this. The board is full. People are have interesting things to say. I think it's been an interesting hour. Thanks to the calls. This is the middle. We're celebrating today the fact that, frankly, a week, a week has gone by. The war is still raging there. But the country is overwhelmingly, the big, broad middle in this country, overwhelmingly supports the concept that Israel can de- should be able to defend herself that this was a terrorist attack, that it is cannot be justified, that people who try to justify, they are the fringe. People who try to justify this, they are the fringe. We are the middle. And it's great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side of the break for hour number two. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Hour number two. That's Matas Yahoo. We're talking about the news of the world, which has been dominated by the terrorist attack against Israel one week ago today. The Israelis are going in as they need to go into Gaza. It is not easy. It is very, very complicated. You know, if you think about it a little bit, let's game this out. Let's assume they do smash Hamas the way ISIS was eliminated. Then what happens in the people of Gaza? Is Israel going to remain there to basically reoccupy it? I don't know if that's good. And I say this to my friends on the left. If you are, if you care about the, the plight of the Palestinians, and I do, You should be the loudest and most fervent person standing at these protests against Hamas in support of Israel. Because Hamas does not care about those Palestinians. They knew what was going to happen. They're not even there. The leaders of Hamas are most likely not there right now. I know one was, there was a report that one was taken out, but I mean, the funders, the, the, the guys that are the, they're not there. They don't care about the Palestinians. The Palestinians are cannon fodder to them. The folks in the territories are cannon fodder to them. And just for those of you who, who again, you know, we very often learn a lot about geography when we have these wars, right? Or when they're in the news. So Israel's population, a little over 9 million. We're 8.4 here in the city for comparison. It's about the size of New Jersey, the whole country. Our country is, if you do the math, about 35 and a half times larger population than Israel. So if you take the fatalities and the kidnappings that they've had, it would be like 42,600 Americans were killed and 5,300 were take, were kidnapped. And I ask you, would you expect our military and our president to act any differently than to go in? And let's assume it was... You know, I don't know, to try to continue the, try to continue, you live in New Jersey and, and this is the, the folks of, of Delaware. Delaware border, New Jersey, like Del, Delaware, Mar, Delmarva Peninsula, or Philadelphia. The people of Philadelphia have launched this attack. Sure, you're going to be concerned about the innocent civilians in Pennsylvania, but the first order of business is to fight back. And we're a democracy with the people, you know, they expect it. But if you care about the plight of the Palestinians, these terrorist organizations, they're not your friends. They're not on your side. And I know people make this decision, oh, well, we don't support Hamas, but we do think it was justified or whatever. That's the same as supporting Hamas. It should be. We find what, that we stand with Israel against this attack. Full stop. And if you want to, you know, maybe the next day go out and have a rally or the next week go out and have a rally or whatever and say, listen, I, I, we care about the people. Of, uh, that's fine. Anyway, let's go back to the calls. A lot of people want to get in on this conversation from different perspectives. Let's go to Ina in Manhattan. Welcome back, Ina. Hello, um, Mr. I forgot your name already. You know, you forgot my name last time you called, too. 
You can call me Tony. I know you you seem to want to call me Tony. That's fine. I no one does, but you can, dear. And you have such a nice voice. I don't. I shouldn't forget it. And you're very intelligent and very um, worthy. Yeah, no, but I I go by I go by the Bible, and 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 to to give you a little reminder, six years ago, um, the Prime Minister Bibi. He bomb. He was just bombing that same a big apartment building in there and killing a lot of people. So I think this is this is why they do they doing that because is the children and the and the and the poor people are, are um, suffering. He has a very big ego because the um, last year he was they, they didn't want him in there. They vote him out. And he and he even come under um, some kind of um, business in court. Yeah, he's he's, he's under indictment. Life. He's under indictment. But in a, he, but you you did you vote for him? I I live in New York. That's and my I'm a, and I'm a Republican. That's my point. You live in New York. I, I had the same. If I was living in Israel, maybe I wouldn't vote for him. I probably wouldn't. I'll be honest. I mean, I've met him a few times. Um, when I visit Israel, when he was in office, it's a, it's a, I, I don't think, I don't agree with what they're doing with the judiciary. But they're a democracy. They're entitled to make whatever stupid mistakes they want to make. It's not my business. What we should be saying, what the American posture should be, what U.S. citizens should be saying, is you're a democracy, you're an ally of the United States of America, we share similar principles, but we don't necessarily think we should control your government. I would have this fight all the time as a supporter of Israel. And when different administrations, Democrat or Republican, would try to withhold loan guarantees, for example, because they didn't like the the um, expansion of settlements. And I might have had some private concerns about the expansion of settlements, but if they think it's in their best interest... It's hard to blame them. And by the way, talking about settlements, and that's not a conversation for today because it's kind of a more West Bank issue than a Gaza issue. If you believe as a policy matter that the that the Palestinians want a one-state solution and they don't want you to have a country, doesn't it kind of make sense to expand your footprint as much as possible because to, to make it harder for that to happen? But the more important point here is they're a democracy. We don't have to like their policies. We should support their right to make their policies. And I know that's that's hard to do sometimes. We we think we're in charge. Let's go to Liam in Staten Island. Hey, Liam. Hi, Anthony. Uh, I am a Republican. Uh, I very much enjoy your show. You are a very, very smart guy, and, and I enjoy it. Uh, I never agree with you, but that's okay. Um, I, I I am interested, though, in uh, what we could have done because Americans have died. Uh, there's a tragic loss of life, and there has to be accountability. But leading up to this, I mean, the one thing I do agree with you on is Joe Biden has said all the right things. You know, what he actually does after the proof is in the pudding, we'll see. But it seems like these regional, like, dormant conflicts have all spun up into terribly violent conflicts. Ukraine, Azerbaijan, now this, it's just a repeating thing. And what can America do 
to protect ourselves and innocent people. Yeah, and no. I'm very interested what you think. Yeah, that's a great question, and thank you for 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 listening. I mean, look, um, I don't know, and we're going to find out. You know, kind of like it took us quite some time to figure out what went wrong on nine eleven. I don't think that this is a bold prediction. I don't think Bibi Netanyahu is going to be the prime minister for, you know, if we tune in this time next year, because as fragile as his government was, I think there were some real mistakes that really dinged at the, at the psyche of, of how Israeli functions, but that, that'll work itself out. We're going to find out already. There are kind of conflicting stories about how much the Netanyahu administration had been told. There was a lot of attention being paid to the West Bank, less to Gaza. Um, we, the United States, you know, we sometimes swing from thinking we're omnipotent to thinking we're powerless. I don't know how much we could have helped. Um, I don't know of anything that was on the, that was on the table that the Israelis had asked us for. I don't know that there was anything that was being withheld, any, any intelligence. I mean, our intelligence communities between Israel and the United States are thick as thieves. They're hand in glove. They work very closely together. But it does seem like this buildup was going on for some time. And you've got to wonder how. Now, we've got to wonder how much the, the warnings that apparently came in came from Egyptian intelligence. Now, the Egyptian intelligence would be based on what they would see in the terror tunnels, these tunnels that go underneath the, the, the barriers that separate Egypt from, from Gaza. But they had a lot of intelligence, the, the, the terrorists did. And this might be a 9-11 kind of, 9-11 commission kind of thing that we go back and, and it turns out that mis- mistakes were made. Um, but you know, Hamas is a well-funded, well-oiled terrorist organization that exists primarily to wipe out Israel. That's, that's the Hamas, the, their, their mission is to wipe out Israel. Um, but Liam asked the right question. You know, what do we learn from this and how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Let's go to Adam and Mineola. Adam, welcome back. Sorry to keep you on hold, my friend. No problem, sir. I, I got a few things to say. Can't the Palestinian people get rid of Hamas? One, and I heard that the emir of Qatar is going to stop producing oil for the whole world if Israel keeps bombing them. Well, um, I mean, look, here's the problem with the Palestinian people is that the Palestinian people have not exactly been blessed by great leaders. It was Yasser Arafat when he was empowered as the head of the Palestinian Authority, what was once the PLO, who sat, who got up from his seat at the, uh, and rather than sign the Oslo Accords, which would given him the Arab quarters of Jerusalem, it would have given him uh, the West Bank, it would have given him Gaza, it would have given him a passage attaching those two things, and, you know, basically it gives security guarantees to Israel. It basically disarmed the territories and it gave them a whole bunch of money to rebuild their country. He not only got up and left, but he started the second intifada based on lies about what was going on in the negotiations. 
Then when there was the next wave of activity where we were all as a, as a world community trying to empower Fatah, the party that was the Palestinian Authority, giving them money, cooperating with them. The, the Israelis were doing everything they can to prop them up, giving the, giving, giving the Palestinian Authority the authority over the border crossings, giving the Palestinian Authority over the banking, the authority over the banking system, giving the Palestinian Authority hundreds of millions of dollars. Every year in the State Department budget, we in the United States Congress were, believe it or not, asked to fund NGOs, non-government organizations operating in the territories. And and Israel hawks like my, like me, our hair would stand up on the back of our neck. And whoever, a Democrat or Republican State Department, would say the Israelis want this. And we would check in with our Israeli friends and say, do, we, do you guys really want this? And they say, absolutely, if we have any chance – of a two-state solution, it's got to be because we empower the Palestinians in those territories. And unfortunately, in 2005, this is a Gaza problem, in 2005 and ultimately in 2007, the Palestinians, whether by choice or whether by violence, and it was mostly violence in the case of Hamas, Huma corrected me on that, took control of Gaza, and in the West Bank there was so much corruption, so much waste, so much mismanagement that the that the regular Palestinian on the street threw up their hands and said the Palestinian Authority is useless. So when Adam says the obvious things, why can't the Palestinians get their act together? I just want to remind you that there's a reason Israel is considered a miracle in that part of the world to have been a democracy for 75 some odd years. The first things that democracies want to do when you give someone the power to vote, and we learn this in Iraq, is they want to settle scores. So when given the power in 2005 to 2007 to kind of sort out when, when, when Ariel Sharon, one of the most conservative, hawkish prime ministers Israel has ever had, said, we're leaving Gaza. We're going to test the theory. We're going to leave Gaza. You guys manage it yourself. It turned into civil war. Palestinians at each other's throats and Hamas emerged, and they've been there ever since. And the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority nominally is still running things, but they're just making a complete mess of it. It's complicated. You know who could do it, though? The Saudis, the Qataris, the Jordanians. I mean, they're you know, Iranians if they really cared. The Arab League, the old Arab League, you don't hear that talked about very much. We give a lot of money, they give even more, but still they don't, they're not, their heart isn't in it. Because at the end of the day, the aspiration that the Palestinians want, many in the Arab world don't share. Many in the Arab world still want there to be no Israeli state. And that's starting to break a little bit. The Abraham Accord showed a little bit of crack. Recent talks with the Saudis showed a crack in that. But then what do you have? You've got to have adults like the crown prince of Saudi Arabia saying to his to his his colleagues in the Arab League, well, we're not going to eliminate Israel. You have to settle for a two-state solution. And that to them is seen as betrayal. 
That's a little bit of the rough version of one guy's history. And maybe it's, you know, I'm not saying it's all 100% right. I'm sure other people correct me. But let's go to Tommy and Wyckoff. Hey, Tommy, thanks for calling. Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, two T's. E-L. Oh, my God. Hey, I, he comes I on. Like drop shoot. this guy. Drop this guy. He comes on. I don't know what he. One of these days, Ava, one of these days what we should do is we should not put him on the air, but just hear whatever that recording is that he's playing. It's almost as if someone's trying to communicate us from another planet. Let's go to um, Walt in Toms River, New Jersey. Hey, Walt. Hey, Anthony. Um, thanks for taking the call. Um, I, I, I am a, um, I'm conservative, I guess you would say Republican. I am a Christian. Um, I totally believe in the, um, Israel's existence. Okay. I'm a, a person as a Christian who, uh, follows the Bible and scripture and so forth. Um, uh, my question is basically, I listened to, um, yesterday's Sliwa. Uh, who'll be on with you in a little while too, and uh, you could pose this back to him again, or he could pose it to you. Um, he was out there on the streets uh, listening to the um, Jewish community um, talking about obviously uh, Israel's existence uh, on the face of the earth and so forth, as uh, dictated in, in a sense even in the Bible. Um, but he said he was noticing that the uh, Jewish community did not want the backing of the Christian community. And I'm a kind of a guy that says, uh, I want Israel to be there. Uh, that seventh fleet that's in the Mediterranean uh, catching the rays out there now on the, on the ships. But if, if Israel needed them to go into Iran and blow up anything that basically would give Iran an atomic bomb and do the same thing that they did in in Gaza and drop leaflets and say, look, you people in Iran who are good guys who don't believe in your government, get the hell out of there and or take over your government, do something about it. I know they don't have guns, so they can't do it. They don't have a Second Amendment. Uh, I would say let's go and get them. Well, listen, I appreciate Walt. I, I don't know what specifically what Curtis said, but listen to Curtis a lot. Um, I think what he could have been talking about is that, and I appreciate your calling, there is an element of the conservative Christian community that is one, among the most fervent supporters of Israel because they agree and believe in an interpretation of the Bible that talks about the rapture, that says that Israel has to be the land of the Jews when the rapture comes and then all the Jews get burned to a crisp. <laughs> he might have been referring to that. But I, I know being in Washington, some of the strongest, most ardent supporters of Israel are Christians, and we're grateful for that support. And um, so perhaps that that's what Curtis was talking about. We'll have a little more on this subject. If you want to change the subject, we can. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's been a great conversation. It's been all over the map, mostly in the Middle East. We're watching the news carefully. If there's any news that emerges while we're on the air, we'll make sure to let you in on it. It's Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah.
heavy From things you carry a long time Been up, you've been down Tired and you don't know why Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Sunshine, it's rainy outside here in Midtown Manhattan. Hopefully it's sunny wherever you are. We're talking about the history of the Middle East. We're talking about what's going on today. I want to stress, just stress something about the news that you're seeing on the television right now. That there's really nowhere for Palestinians to go. You know, you've got a fairly small spit of land with 2 million people on it. It is literally one of the most densely populated. And Hamas commits war crimes. Every time they fire from a residential area a missile into into Israel proper, when they use the roof of a building or a yard of a school to launch a weapon, they commit a war crime. You're not allowed to use residential areas as a place because that's using human shields. So when Israel says, leave northern Gaza, we're coming in. And the border to Egypt is closed, and you've got the sea on the other side. Um, there's really nowhere for them to go. Now, Israel is doing this because this is what they do. They warn them before they come in, and then they do their operations as best they can. But I just want everyone to get their minds right. And, and so when, when people on the left and they cheer at what Hamas did, This is the scenario they created for the Palestinians right now. If you say you care about Palestinian children, and we all do, look at the situation that was created by what Hamas did. There's no justification for this. I mean, this is, there's just no justification for it. And now imagine you're in charge. And when I hear it, you know, there's a lot of amazing things about Talk Radio 77 WABC. But, you know, some of these answers are not simple. 
Level the place, Lindsey Graham said. By the way, has Lindsey Graham ever not said level the place after every, every complex nuclear, every complex, you know, foreign policy challenge? His answer is level the place. But it, this is going to be hard. And what's going to, what separates the Israelis from the, from, from the, from Hamas is they're trying to do it the best they can, but it's not going to be possible. There's going to be more death and more destruction. Let's go to <laughs> – I'm laughing. So here's the way this so – I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit. So people – you call in. Christian takes your name, where you're from, and then he says, what would you like to talk to Anthony about? And then he puts up on my screen a little bit so I can get the sense so, you know, I can pick. And so Larry in Long Beach. Larry, it says here, I have a solution for the Hamas conflict. We've been waiting for your call, Larry. Am I on? You are. Uh, hi, Anthony. Uh, well, this is, you know, I'd like to say this is a solution that would solve everything, but it, it, it's basically an easy, I shouldn't say easy, a simple solution in terms of making change in the, in the minds and hearts of people. You know, in watching um, all these rallies, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, and uh, the BLM, uh, you know, messages and everybody else, and and I see all the comments online, and in, in not only online, but like in the New York Times and the Washington Post, and so many are so anti-Israel, and so many don't know the facts. And so I appreciate number one, you letting people know on air today all the you know history and the recent history about the peace agreements that they walked away from and everything else, because all of that is important, and a lot of people just don't remember or don't know. Uh, but as great as Biden and Blinken's speeches have been over the last week, you know, there needs to be a second prong to this, and that's education. And I don't know why it can't come from Israel, because everybody will say that this is just Hasbara. But if if our government on their website or in conjunction with other educational you know, facilities or institutes gives an entire history of what this conflict is and the fact that there's hasn't that Israel didn't steal any land that there hasn't been any genocide that there isn't ethnic cleansing uh you know all this stuff just builds and builds i can understand why people are so uh, uh upset and mad but they but they're following facts that don't exist and so all these things about them walking away from the peace uh uh you know, conferences multiple times. I mean, this is important. And, and the other thing, just to bring up, you brought up earlier uh, how Israel should have, in 67, just returned. You know, in retrospect, they should have just returned some of the West Bank to Jordan. Uh, the fact is, and people forget about this also, as soon as Israel won all this land and after the 67 war, they offered it back to the Arabs in return for peace. And the Arab League met in Khartoum and famously replied the three no's, no peace, no recognition, and no negotiation. And that's what has started this whole thing. And, uh, and then you go back to 48, where Israel was you know, bombarded on all sides and, uh, and somehow won that war. And it wasn't from stealing land. It was from defending itself against total annihilation. Yeah. I mean, look, Larry, you... You, you did an excellent job filling in some of the history that I, that I had left out, but you did say something that I think 
is at the crux of the challenge here. You said that's where it all began. Well, the history, Larry, and you know this, the history is very different depending upon where you started. If you start this conversation, say, in 2005 with just Israel leaving leaving Gaza, well, part of the reason it left Gaza was in reaction to the world community saying just give them self-determination, and that didn't go terribly well. But some people would argue, and I look, it's not an easy question. Some people would argue in 1947 and 1948 where it was the United Nations and with the British partition plan that said this, what we now know as Israel, will be divided up. And no one really wanted Israel. It's not like it was this amazing piece of land. We would divide it up. Half would go to the, roughly half would go to the, the Palestinians. They were not the Palestinians yet. They weren't considered that yet. But that's what we now consider the Palestinians. Half would be Israel. Jerusalem would be divided. It would be under international control. And is the Israelis, the nascent Israeli, the Sabras of the time said, ugh, that's not a very good deal, but we'll take it. Anything, we will take anything. We had just emerged from the Holocaust. It was the Arabs who said, no, and we're going to destroy them. And the, the Arabs that were living on their, on the land at the time left to go join the, the fight against the new state of Israel. So when people say, I want my land back, it was land that they had left in order to go wipe out the state of Israel. But where did it start? I don't know. Maybe the Byzantines can tell us where it started, or the Romans, or the Macedonians, or the Persians, or the Babylonians. <laughs> you know, people have been fighting about, about the, you know, that part of, of, of the world forever. But it has been the Israelis, and this is, I think this is hard to dispute. It has been the Israelis that have said yes, 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 yes to peace ideas. And it has been the Palestinians and the Arab, their Arab supporters that have said no, 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 death to Israel. And that continued this week. We'll be right back. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Sometimes I let under the moon, I thank God I'm breathing, and I pray, don't take me soon, cause I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down, so when negativity surrounds, I know something, be the Lord, turn around, because my life, I'm waiting for 
Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Curtis Will comes in for left versus right. He has an interesting perspective on this stuff. He is his capacity as the head of the Guardian Angels, has been traveling around to a lot of Jewish communities and checking in and offering advice and counsel. He's always been a steadfast supporter of the Jewish community and of Israel. And we'll be talking about some of what's been going on in the city. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the belief, and I said this in the last hour, Democrat, socialist, you know, some kid at NYU who's a head of a law review or whatever it is saying stupid things about Israel and supporting Hamas. I don't care. I don't care. They have zero influence. They're not making U.S. policy. The 400 members of the House of Representatives had a 435 who are standing up for Israel right now, the many Republicans who are standing up and saying, I would never vote for Joe Biden in a thousand years, but I commend him for speaking for our country the way, the way he has, because we're, there's no space between us right now. We in the middle now represent the loudest voices. We're not letting the, you know, look, I know the cameras run to these people who hold up swastikas on their phone while they're, where they're talking about this stuff and, and, you know, these, these kids up at Harvard signing letters blaming Israel for all of this. Some people say, yeah, this guy Ackman says, let's make their names available so that we never hire them when they go out into the business. And, you know, fine. That's fine. I don't think, you know, I think people say and do dumb things when they're 19 years old, but I'm, I'm totally fine. If someone, if an employer wants to say, I see you sign this letter, what have you learned since then? And that's part of the problem. Look, there's no doubt about it. We have a problem on the left. When there is a problem on the far right with anti-Semitism, there's a problem with on, on the left with 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 Israel and that borders on anti-Semitism. It's a real problem. Let's go to George in Rockland. George, it's been a while. Welcome back. Hey, Anthony, how are you doing? Okay, so I hope you give me some time here. I'll try to do it very quickly. Okay, so I want to correct a few things here first. Regarding question of one of the other listeners, okay, I want to remind everybody, okay, is that. Uh, the Palestinians, in a free election that were watched by monitors, one of them was President Carter, okay, elected specifically Hamas, okay? They did it knowingly, exactly what's going on here. George, when was that? Uh, when was the election? At one point, the uh, Fatah... Uh, George, uh, George, the election was in 2007. Okay. So it's a while now. I know that's exactly, but the point here, they knew about the history of the people who ran Hamas at this point here. And then after, Anthony, with all due respect here, okay, there are about uh, two minutes or so uh, Palestinians living in Gaza, okay? There are only about 30,000 Hamas and some others, okay? So if they really wanted to, okay, they could, uh, you know, they could kick them out. But well, well, George, but hold on. You know, you know, since you know the history so well and you're one of our, our most erudite callers, you know there was a civil war in Gaza. And and Hamas wiped out Fatah leadership in the most brutal kind of ways. Uh, I, I don't, you know, the, the, the fact is, look, George, you're not wrong. about, And, and this is something I said last week, and I, re, I reiterated it again today. There was a decision that the residents of Gaza had to make, and the first thing they wanted to do um, when they got a certain level of independence and self-determination is they wanted to settle scores, and it seemed like Hamas would do it. But in fairness, their choice, Fatah, was corrupt, 
incompetent. It wasn't a great choice that they had. And that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. What is that, 17 years ago now? In the intervening time, if you look at polls as recently as last year, many Palestinians say that we're disenchanted with Fatah, with um, Hamas also. They have, But George's point is not wrong. The Palestinians have shown they're incapable up to now of governing themselves. Now, I don't think that's a permanent state of affairs, and part of it is that the the that the, the people that can have some influence like the saudis the keeper of the of the of the muslim uh, of the muslim flame in the middle east if these folks really wanted to improve the situation in um in in gaza instead of investing tens of millions of dollars in golf tournaments to try to make your country look better and make people forget that you chopped up of Khashoggi and and carried his bones out of the out of an embassy in Turkey in in briefcases. Instead of doing that, why don't you help set up the, the you know infrastructure in Gaza? I mean, it's a reasonable question. George is not wrong. There's there there is the Palestinians first and foremost have to get their own house in order. Let's go to Jeff in my old neighborhood of Forest Hills. Hey, Jeff. Hey, anyway, it's very serious. So, so, uh, like you said, uh, you guys hit it on the head. Bill, Bill O'Reilly bet you did. And I, you guys are doing a great job, but he's just a historian, you know. Someone needs to explain, like you're doing it right now, lay it all down. Now, in 1972, they hijacked the plane, commercial airline. For whatever reason, they landed and they're making demands, and the hydraulic system had broke. So they're like, all right. So what they did is they had, uh, special forces go in as mechanics and they got the hostages back. Now during the hostage takeover, one of the, one of the special forces guys got shot in the arm, but they got the hostages back and that special forces guy was BB. So he's got a long, like, you know what I'm saying? He's not some guy that like, yeah. escaped the draft. However, yeah. right. Am I right? Or wrong? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, everyone has some military history. He does. But we've had people with, frankly, much more storied military careers. But, yeah, he he was involved. He, he was involved in 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 I think in the in the, the, the liberation in Munich. Yeah. I, the problem with BB, I mean, you can I, I can take him or leave him. I mean, maybe it, the, the interesting thing about him is that everyone knows him to be. Uh, a hawkish guy from the Likud party, from their version of the Republican Party. But actually, when he has been in charge, his use of military power has been fairly restrained. And this is going to be an interesting test. Obviously, it's a very different scenario. And if you look at the history in, in Israel, it's, it's when you become the prime minister, every prime minister of whatever party, you try to make peace. Because that's the legacy. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to ensure the long-term security for your country. And the only way that's going to happen is some form of a two-state solution. And the tragedy of the last several years is that it's become a one-state solution. Israel is the state or the Arabs wipe her out and it's an Arab state. But it, you know... You know, and some people, you know, so who was it? I was talking to someone yesterday. Again, I love talking to a lot of people recently who are relatively inexperienced in this stuff. And they're asking me questions and they all come from a place that says, why don't they just let all of the Arabs come to wherever they want in Israel? Because then Israel won't be a, 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 a Jewish state. It won't be a pluralistic Jewish state. There are too many of them. <laughs> there are too many Arabs. You can't just say it. And the other thing is, 
where do the Arabs want to go? What When they say we want our homeland, they don't mean we want a homeland. We want the homeland that I used to have three generations ago. Well, someone lives there now. And you took that land from someone else. It's not happening. But if that's your demand, imagine how difficult it is to negotiate. And that's why Arafat says he walked away from from the Oslo Accords and started up the Second Intifada. The right of return. I want the right to return. And Israel has said, you can't have that, we'll give you money. Or you can't have that, we'll give you land somewhere else. But it's obviously that's something that's, that they, and the, and, and you know what's non-negotiable on the Israeli side? Almost nothing. It, you know, Jerusalem used to be non-negotiable. Even that has come up in peace talks and the Israelis have said we're open to having a conversation about it. A previous caller put it right, you know, that it really is the Jews who at every opportunity have said yes to stuff. And it has been the Arabs that have said no. And I'm going to be taking you to 4 o'clock at the top of the hour. Curtis Slewa comes in. We're going to talk about what he's been up to this week. And he has an interesting he has an interesting perspective that was echoed by none other than George President, uh, former President George W. Bush. And I'll play that clip when we get back. This is The Middle. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Four o'clock when Curtis Lewa comes in for Left versus Right. If you miss any part of this, you can get it as a podcast shortly thereafter. It's available on the Red Apple Podcast Network or anywhere that you get your podcast. So Curtis is going to be talking a little about his take on this. You've been hearing him all week. He has this interesting take where he says, look, we've seen these circumstances before. The public attention shifts to somewhere else. People start to question, you know, there's stories on the on, on on the TV about fatalities. And he says his theory is, I think he says seven days you get. And I kind of, you know, thought it was an interesting take. And then I come across 
a cut of former uh, President George W. Bush, who has some experience with how this goes. Like we all pull together and then we start pulling apart not far thereafter. You know, George W. Bush was the most popular president in American history. Shortly after the 9-11 attacks, we all rallied around him and he wound up leaving office as one of the least popular presidents. But this is what he had to say recently. It's a democracy and in a democracy, the people's voices matter and there's going to be a weariness. You watch the world's going to be OK. Let's negotiate. You know, Israel's got to negotiate. They're not going to negotiate. These people have played, played their cards. They want to kill as many Israelis as they can. And negotiating with killers is not a, an option for the elected government of Israel. And so we're just going to have to remain steadfast. But it's not going to take long. For It's gone on too long. Surely there's a way to settle this through negotiations. Both sides are guilty. My view is one side is guilty, and it's not Israel. Well, I mean, he's right about that conclusion, but he's right. All he's basically saying, yeah, Curtis is right. Like there's a, his argument right there in that cut was like, yeah, people start to lose their attention. There is going to happen. That is going to happen. And it's going to happen in ways that are not necessarily bad. I think there is going to be some conversation about, well, how did we get here? What is the way out in the long term for the people of Israel and for the people of the territories? But in terms of support for Israel, which is now like 80 percent, like we saw this with 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 Russia and Ukraine. The people like, yeah, obviously you can't we have to stand up for a country that's been invaded by one of our enemies. Well, now that's starting to fade a little bit. But fortunately, the support both for Ukraine and for Israel is very strong in Congress right now. Bipartisan. People are pulling together and hopefully it stays that way for a while. Let's go a couple more calls before we break at four o'clock for left versus right. Let's go to Pete on Staten Island. Hey, Pete, welcome aboard. Hi, Anthony. I met you Monday at the Columbus Day Parade and had the pleasure of speaking to you. Of course. I, I was the first caller who called you when you started this show, and I've been trying to listen to you as much as I can when I'm, you know, it's available. And I want to say, uh, my daughter is Jewish, raised, uh, I followed my wife, uh, I'm Catholic, but, uh, my daughter, she went to Hebrew school and I, used to take it air by bus because I couldn't drive at one point because I had a health issue. And um, she, uh, after she made a bat mitzvah, she basically became like agnostic. Well, this was a rude awakening. And she saw that girl who is the same age as her that was raped and beaten. And uh, my daughter all of a sudden had an epiphany. Now she went to volunteer on Thursday and Friday. She was making packages to send Israel at the synagogue. And uh, like I'm saying, and also she, she deleted some of her Hunter College. Uh, well, she's uh, majored in psychology, and she got her uh, master's degree. And she deleted all the negativity. She don't want to hear it before. She was listening to people, but she didn't want to hear any more anti Israel stuff. Now, you got to have an open mind to everything, but right now, what's going through with Curtis says seven days. Uh, I'm going to say five because the hate for Israel is terrible. I mean, I've experienced it. You know, my daughter had an Italian name, my name, and uh, my daughter in school got in a fight. Some kid called her a nasty word. And she beat him up and was suspended when she was in junior high school. And I went up to the school and I said he should be suspended, too. And he got suspended because he touched her. 
I said, and that was something he should never do. Well, I, I just want to say, Pete, we're re- reaching the top. I want to thank you for calling again. It was It's nice to hear from you again. It was good to see you at the Columbus Day Parade. Um, and I just, I, look, I, I, I want to say this, is that, you know, the the people that were slaughtered at that music festival and at the kibbutz, these were the peaceniks. These were people singing and dancing for peace. These were activists in the peace movement that are now held hostage. People, you know, should realize that there are people who were victimized here who were the people that believed in improving the lot of Palestinians. All of us are set back from this, but we can't deny something. There is, as President Biden said, there's no doubt that there is evil in this world, and it's an unambiguous evil. And we saw that evil a week ago, and it's still out there. And while we may like the idea that if you just say the right words or you just make the right offer or you just do the, make the right gesture or you just post the right clever thing on social media, it'll change that. There are just some things that are just evil and you need to stamp out. But that's the very, very tiny, tiny fraction. By and large, people are good. By and large, people are decent. And by and large, given the opportunity to live out their aspirations, they're going to choose peace. They're going to choose their children, they're going to choose the health of their children and others. And let's pray for that today. We'll be back on the other side with the with Left versus Right with Curtis Lee. It's so great to have you along, and we'll see you next week.